All right, Shabbos say good morning, good morning. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors, our Tamatoru sponsors for the month of Av, Max and Brenda Lapkowski, in honor of the upcoming Bar Mitzvah of their son Yitzchak Meir, Dr. Riva Mitzner, in commemoration of the first yard site of her father, Dr. Larry Schenk, Aryeh Ben Chaim. Thank you. Thank you. And Jack Bennett, in honor of Sergeant Omer Taviv, who was killed by a Hamas anti-tank missile on the Gaza border on May 12th, 2021. We hope that in the merit of our time of Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families a Nechama. So with that, let us begin. We really have an exceptional daf ahead of us today, which actually is going to open up what is really going to be an incredibly exciting sugya. So let's begin. We, we got all the way yesterday on, on the Chavhe, we got to the Mishnah. So let's pick up from the Mishnah, Mir Tzashem, this morning. So the Mishnah says as follows. Shluchi mitzvah peturim in It's a very exciting sugya. Just, you know, this is going to be the sugya of osik b'mitzvah patra mina mitzvah. The concept, ultimately, again, that when you're engaged in the performance of one mitzvah, by definition, you are exempt from other mitzvahs. So the parameters of that we'll have to, we'll have to define. But in any event, the, mish- the Mishnah says, shluche mitzvah patra mina Now, the Lashon over here is very interesting. Shluche mitzvah means what? Means what? So people who are on a mitzvah mission, people who have been dispatched, to perform a mitzvah, are putter from sukkah. Now look at Rashi, because it's actually quite interesting. Rashi says, Shluche mitzvah, holche biderech mitzvah. These are people who are on the way to the performance of a mitzvah. For example, kigon, lilmod, although interestingly enough, you could see over here in Agos, v'tziyunim, he quotes over here that there is a different girsa that says lilamed, right? Two different girsos. Either people who are going to learn Torah, or people who are going to teach Torah, okay? A person who's traveling to go out and see his Rebbe. Or a person who's going to redeem captives. Now, what I want to point out, what's interesting about the way Rashi's understanding this opening phrase, is are you actively involved in the performance of a mitzvah? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're traveling. Because we'll say, here's what's interesting. The Mishnah, and we're going to see, assumes that it's, it's, it's obvious that if you're actively performing a mitzvah, of course you're exempt. You're exempt from the performance of another mitzvah. According to Rashi, what the Mishnah is adding in over here is, is shluchai mitzvah. I'm on the way. So I'm not actively performing a mitzvah right now. I'm on the way to go ahead and perform the mitzvah. I'm on the way to see my Rebbe. I'm on the way to yeshiva to learn. I'm on the way to go ahead and give a shir. I'm not, I'm not actively involved, but I'm involved in the journey to get to the mitzvah. We're going to see that's also called osik the mitzvah. That's also called being involved in the mitzvah. And therefore, one will be potter from sukkah. Similarly, cholin umisham shemehen, a person who is ill, and anyone who is attending to the ill person, peturim in ultimately again is potter from sukkah as well. All right, to one last piece, ochlin b'shosin arayichot l'sukkah. So we'll say third piece of this is that again you are permitted to go and eat and drink aray. Now we'll have to define that that statement in the Gemara, but aray on the most basic level means. A snack, right? As opposed to Achilas Keva, which is a meal, 
Arai will be a more, Arai literally means temporary, like we've seen that Lashon all the time in Sukkah, a more temporary type of eating, a snack, a snack. So we'll say essentially three distinct halachas. Halacha number one is that if you're only to perform a mitzvah, you are parted from Sukkah. Halacha number two, a person who is ill and anyone taking care of the old person is parted from Sukkah. Halacha number three is you're allowed to eat achilas arai outside of the sukkah. But also, I'll just point out here something very interesting. So Tosis here, Tosis here points out, he says, if in, in Tosis, so if, if you look at the end of Tosis, the whole Tosis is absolutely very interesting, but if you look at the end of Tosis, the last two, four, six, like eight lines, where Tosis says, Elavadai, lo miftar ela bishashu osikba, We'll say, Tosis here is actually trying to understand the parameters of Osik B'mitzvah, Patra Mina Mitzvah. Because essentially that's, that's, the, that's the concept. And Tosis explains, he, you know, he, I'll just tell you this outside, he gives the following example. There's a mitzvah that if you find a lost object, to go ahead and hold on to it until you could find the owner. So let's say I find a, I find a wallet. I have it in my house. So what does that mean? That the entire time I have the wallet in my house, I'm potter from the performance of any other mitzvah because I'm osik in the mitzvah of Hashavah Aveda. So Tosa says, of course, that's not how it works. That the way it works ultimately is that when you are actively involved or engaged in the performance of one mitzvah, that exempts you from other mitzvahs. But when you are not actively engaged, you're not potter. I, what about sukkah? So how does that stem with what we said in the mission over here? So remember again, both say sukkah is different a little bit. Why? Because what is sukkah anchored to? What is sukkah anchored to? A place. And specifically what? Really your home. Your home. So when you're traveling for the sake of the performance of a mitzvah, essentially you're away from your home, that iskus, that involvement is enough to patter you from sukkah. But this does not actually create a paradigm for everything else. So like, for example, if I'm going ahead and I'm traveling for the mitzvah of Pidyon Shavuyim, am I potter from Tefillin? Am I potter from Tefillin? No, right? Why? Because that could easily be performed in concert with my traveling. So the point, according to Tosis, that, that what it means when we say, it means, it means when you're involved in a mitzvah, you are actively exempt from any other mitzvah which would interfere with the mitzvah you are performing. But if the mitzvahs can be performed in concert, then ultimately, again, there's no exemption. Again, we'll flesh this out a little bit more as time goes on, but it's a really, you'll take a look at this tosis. It's Sunday, nobody has any plans. It's supposed to rain. Right, so, you know, so you have some time to take a look at the tosis. Quite incredible. Good. We'll say, says, says the Gemara. We'll say, from where, where do I know this concept that Oseik Ba Mitzvah Patra Mina Mitzvah? The Tan Rabbanon, because we learned, listen to this. Prat Prat So listen to this. So the Gemara says this entire halacha is learned from Kriyashma. The Pasik says, When Vidibartabam, now Dibartabam means when do you have to be involved in mitzvahs? When you're sitting in your home. What does that come to teach me? That comes to exclude someone who is actively involved in a mitzvah. So when am I obligated to engage in mitzvahs? Ultimately, again, when I'm sitting in my home. Sitting in my home is, is rep- representative of engaged in my own affairs as opposed to what? As opposed to being involved in a mitzvah. 
So when I'm engaged in my own affairs, that's v'dibarta bam. Then I have an obligation to engage in mitzvahs. Similarly, again, when I'm walking on my way, meaning I'm engaged in my own affairs, that comes to exclude a chasan. That a chasan on his wedding night ultimately, again, is going to be putter from Kriyashma. Mikan Amru, from here we see, Hakone says Habesula, if a man marries a Besula, Potter, ultimately, again, he is Potter from Kriyashma. He's Potter from Kriyashma. V'yesa Hamana Chayiv. But if he marries an Hamana, a widow, he's going to be Chayiv in Kriyashma. Now, before we go on, take a look at Rashi. First white line in Rashi. V'lech Techabaderech Prat Lechasan. This is great. V'yafagav, so we'll say, now here's what's interesting. So just before we go on, there are two drushas over here. But amazingly enough, the two drushas are what? They're really the same drusha, right? I'm sorry. Teaches me what? Let's, let's go through this. Teaches me when I'm sitting in my home, sitting in my home represents what? Involved in my own affairs. That's when I'm chayat and mitzvah. Right? But let's say again, if I'm actively involved in a mitzvah, I, and one mitzvah, I'm exempt from the performance of other mitzvahs. Belechtecha baderech. Belechtecha baderech means same idea. When I'm walking on my way, doing my thing, I'm obligated to mitzvahs. But a chasun who got married, and Abba said there's a tear that he's preoccupied, what is he preoccupied with? The Birishona, the, the consummating the marriage, the first act of relations. That's a mitzvah. And because that, that weighs on his mind, because he's involved in that, Therefore, he's exempt from Shema. But say, it's the same drasha. It's the same drasha. It's the same halacha. Right? It's the same concept. When you're engaged in a mitzvah, you are exempt from other mitzvahs. So Rashi's bothered by this. Why do I need two drashas? So watch this. Look at Rashi. This is incredible. Rashi says, It's the, it's the same drasha. That exempts a chasan. From Kriyashma, from Mitzvah, is the same drasha of B'shev Techa Nevertheless, Rashi says, It's trichiluhu trei You need both psukim. Why? Di havak sivchad, kevan dechasan lav behejek siv bikra, hava amina lo patra akasav ela toreach v'ose melechas, melechas, or melechas mitzvah biadayim. O mahalech le mitzvah. Aval chasan shu yoshev ubatel ve'ina osek this is incredible. Tulsa says the two the two phrases teach me two different things. teaches me what? Physical preoccupation. When I'm physically preoccupied with the performance of one mitzvah, I'm exempted from another mitzvah. Which comes to teach me to exclude a chasan, speaks about what? Mental preoccupation. That if a person is mentally preoccupied with another mitzvah, ultimately, again, or I should say, a person is mentally preoccupied with one mitzvah that exempts her from the performance of another mitzvah. Now, the truth is, the only case of mental preoccupation with a mitzvah is going to write, Bosa, this would be a great one to use. I'm sorry, I can't do anything right now. I'm mentally occupied with thinking about a mitzvah. So the, 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 the only exemption this actually brings up is chasen. There's only really one case like this. There's only really, but again, so therefore, again, even though they're both utilizing the same principle, namely, Osik ba mitzvah patra mitzvah, when you're engaged in the performance of one mitzvah, you're exempt from another mitzvah, 
Each phrase teaches me a different manifestation of that principle. B'shiftecha b'veisecha, physical preoccupation. Ovelechtecha baderech, mental preoccupation. Incredible. So back to the Gemara. My mashma. So we'll say, so, so first of all, how exactly are you deriving this from the Pasuk? Some Rav Huna, kiderech. Because we'll say, look what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says, ovelechtecha baderech. Ma derech rishos, just like the derech going down the road represents an optional matter. Afkol rishos. So, therefore, again, when am I obligated? When am I obligated to go and engage in mitzvahs? When I'm stam walking down the road. Walking down the road means being, being involved in regular everyday things. La fuke, hai, dibe mitzvah, to exclude ultimately the chasen who is mentally preoccupied with the future performance. Now, boss, I want to point out over here. You, you, of course, understand it's not talking about that the chasan is actually performing the biarishona, that he's exempt from creation. That, that's, that's obvious. He can't say shema, right, when, when engaging in the act of relations. What it's saying is he's mentally preoccupied with, with going to be performing the biarishona. I'm sorry, back to the Yimara. How do you know? Maybe belechtacha baderech is talking about someone who's going to perform a mitzvah. In other words, the Gemara is saying, derech. derech means the performance of some, um, some non-mitzvah matter. When are you obligated to perform mitzvahs? When you're engaged in some other non-mitzvah performing matters. But if you're performing a mitzvah, you're exempted from other mitzvahs. How do you know that says the Gemara? How do you know derech means a, derech, a non-mitzvah derech? Maybe the derech being referred to over here, ultimately again, is a mitzvah, and the Torah is telling you that even if you're performing a mitzvah, you're not exempted from the performance of other mitzvahs. The Torah could have then said, or when you sit in your home, but it doesn't say that. Instead, what does it do? Possessive. My when you're walking for your own purposes, in other words, you're engaged in your own activities of daily living, that's when you are obligated in mitzvahs. But again, ultimately, again, if you're involved in the walking, so to speak, of a mitzvah, as you're, you're, enga- you're engaged in the performance of a mitzvah, you'll be exempt from other mitzvahs. If that's the case, so I'll say, fine. So now I understand that phrase teaches me that in general, when am I obligated in mitzvahs? When I'm sitting in my home. In other words, I'm engaged in my own activities of daily living. But if I am actively involved in the performance of one mitzvah, by definition, what? What? I'm exempted from other mitzvahs. Okay, same idea. When I'm walking on my way, doing my things in life, that's when ultimately, again, I'm going to be obligated in mitzvahs. But a chasan, a chasan who is preoccupied, intellectual, mentally preoccupied with a mitzvah, ultimately is going to be exempted from other mitzvahs. So if that's the case, says the Gemara, why is the mental preoccupation of a mitzvah only limited to when a man marries a basula? 
Why is it not? Why why doesn't it apply ultimately again when he's when he's marrying an Ammana as well? In other words, the mental preoccupation is with the mitzvah period of Rivia, procreation, right? Of having children, a Biarishona, which is a mitzvah. The Biarishona is a mitzvah by the marrying a Basula by the marrying an Ammana. So why isn't he exempt no matter who's he no matter who he is marrying? So the Gemara says, Konis is Habasula Tarid. Konis Amana Lo Tarid. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi say, here's the difference. When a man is marrying a Basula, there is a certain level of enhanced preoccupation. When he's marrying an Amana, there is not that same level of, enha- of, of preoccupation. Look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, Tarid. Libo Tarb Makshavas Bila. So we'll say just the Gemara is giving a very intuitive answer. When it's a basula, ultimately again, there's more involved in the act of the Biarishona. So because of that, the Chassan is more preoccupied with it, even though again, the Biarishona with an Amman is also going to be a mitzvah, but the Tirta is not there. So we'll say what the Gemara just did is the Gemara just made a major shift. Because it turns out that the exemption of the chassan, of the chassan on his wedding night, is not simply an exemption of osek ba mitzvah patra mina mitzvah. Because if that was the nature of the exemption, then what? Then what? Then no matter who you're marrying, there should be the exemption. The exemption of the chassan on his wedding night, yes, is, is osek ba mitzvah patra mina mitzvah coupled with tirda. Tirda rabosai means preoccupation. Preoccupation, or literally, tirda means something weighing heavily on your mind. That tirda is associated with a biarishona with a basula, not associated with the biarishona with a woman who's not a basula. There's an extra level of tirda that comes with that. So we'll say. So this is quite interesting. So now we've just added on another layer. Now it's not only osik b'mitzvah that allows you to be exempt, but tirda also. The Gemara says, really? So you're telling me now? Anytime there's tirda, anytime you're mentally preoccupied, you're exempt from mitzvahs? You're, you're, and you're exempt from kriyashma? So the Gemara says, V'chol heicha de tarid, hacha nami de pater? Wow. Most, you know, just understand, you've really opened up. There are some people who are always tarid. Right? Some people are always preoccupied with something. So that means anytime I'm preoccupied, and also when I say preoccupied, it means there's something weighing heavily on my mind. Anytime there's something I'm exempt from shema, elamiyata, so again, if that's the case, I'm a merchant and my ship sunk, or perhaps to make this a little more contemporary, right? The market dipped, right? The market dipped. So again, any time, any, any time, maybe I'm going to, I'm suffering a financial loss, which I'm going to both say for most of us, if we're having, if we're having financial issues, Right? There, there is no men, mental preoccupation greater than that. Maybe you'll say it should be Pater also. Yeah, maybe that is. Maybe that if your boat sinks, we'll say, not that if your boat sinks and you're on it. Yeah, I think we all say, if your boat sinks and you're on it, you're Pater and Kriyashima. Right? We're talking about, again, I'm a merchant. I'm a merchant and I just got word that my boat carrying my merchandise is sinking, right? And my portfolio, my, my broker called me in a panic, you know. So again, is that a reason to be parted from Shema? Maybe I'll say yes. Maybe it is. Well, if that's the case, say that can't be true. Why? Because in Avel, 
a mourner, someone who has lost one of the seven close relatives for whom they're obligated to, to sit shiva, to mourn for, ultimately, again, is chayiv in all mitzvahs. Chutz minat with the exception of tefillin, which we'll talk about. Shaynemar bahen fe'er. Because we'll say, by tefillin, which we're going to talk about this on Amud Beis, the, the Navi uses lashon of, of fe'er. Fe'er means glory. So an aval is chayiv in all mitzvahs, except ultimately for what? For tefillin. Again, in tefillin, we'll talk about this. So we'll say, now again, when you think about somebody who has a mental preoccupation or is weighed down by overwhelming thoughts, an aval is a pretty good example. So if it was true that I love I say anytime you have mental preoccupation, you're part of mitzvahs, then an aval should be part of mitzvahs, yet an aval is not part of mitzvahs. So I'll say, now watch this, to which the Gemara gives an incredible answer. Hacha tarid tirda de mitzvah. Hasam tarid tirda de rishos. say, here's the fundamental difference. At the end of the day, a chasan, when he is, when his tirda, right, his preoccupation is with a mitzvah. An avel, his tirda is not a mitzvah. I was about to say, interestingly enough, in halacha, there is an obligation, a mitzvah, to engage in behaviors associated with mourning. There is no obligation that governs how you're supposed to feel. In other words, there's no obligation, so to speak, to have intellectual mourning or emotional mourning, right? An avos obligated to sit shiva, an avos obligated to go ahead and tear kriya, an avos obligated to go ahead and say kaddish. But there is no mitzvah that says about an avos emotion. So therefore, again, if the avos is sad and overwhelmed by sadness, that's, that's not a mitzvah. That's not, that's not a mental preoccupation with a mitzvah. The mitzvah of Avelus are behavioral. Masha'in came the chasan, his tirdah is with the performance of a mitzvah. He's going to have the Biarishona. He's going to be engaging in the Biarishona. There's understandably, of course, again, if we, you know, if we think, about, think about the classic case of a chasan in the first marriage, there's understandably a tirdah rishona associated with that. And therefore, halach lamaisa, he is exempt from the mitzvah of Kriyashma. So, we'll say, so what turns out over here is something very interesting. So we're, we're creating multiple levels. So level one is, let's say, taking Tosis' idea, the classic case of osig b'mitzvah patram and mitzvah is, you're actively engaged in the performance of one mitzvah that exempts you from performing anything else, right? The Mishnah, our Mishnah expanded that a little bit more to say that by the, even if you're actively engaged in the process to perform a mitzvah, you may be exempted from other mitzvahs as well, specifically sukkah. Now what we're adding on is an additional level, that if you are actively preoccupied with the performance of the mitzvah, even though what, even though what, you're not performing the mitzvah yet, but there's an active level of preoccupation, you're also exempted from the mitzvah. Again, the really only example of this that halacha seems to accept as legitimate mental preoccupation is a chasan on his wedding night with kriyashma. With kriyashma. But again, tava svinaso bayam, right? Your boat sinks. Or an avel, even though is there mental preoccupation? Of course. But that's not considered to be mental preoccupation with what? With what? With a mitzvah, right? That's mental preoccupation, that's a rishos. That's your choice to be mentally preoccupied, and therefore that does not create an exemption for mitzvah. So says, the Gemara says, so says, therefore again, we've established, just so you understand, very exciting day, we've established that the source for the concept of osik ba mitzvah patam in mitzvah comes, b'shiftecha b'veisecha, o b'lechtecha b'aderech. Teaching us 
that if I'm actively, we'll call it physically involved in a mitzvah, I'm exempt from another mitzvah. If I'm cognitively involved or cognitively preoccupied with a mitzvah, ultimately again, I am exempt from another mitzvah. To which the Gemara says, really? Do we really learn it out from here? I thought we learned it out from somewhere else. I thought we learned it out from a second source. Pesach Sheni. Where do I pay attention? This time, Bosa, listen to this. Remember again, the Pasik says in Chumash Bamidbar that there were individuals who were Tameim Lenefesh. They were Tameim, ritually impure. And they came to Moshe, right? They say, we were unable to go ahead and, and offer up Pesach Rishon. Lamani Gara, why should we lose out? And this ultimately is the beginning of the section of Pesach Shem. They make a Pesach. So the Gemara says something amazing. Why were they Tameim? Why, why were these people tummy? So the Gemara says, Anoshim, the Gemara says, Osim Anoshim, Mihayu. Bosse, this is incredible. Who were these people who were unable to perform Karim Pesach in the desert? Who were they? Mihayu. Anose Arono Shayosef, Hayudirab Yosef. Incredible. I will say, these were the Jews who were carrying the casket of Yosef. Carrying the casket of Yosef. We'll say, remember again, before Yosef dies, end of Chomish Bereshis. Yosef, Yosef makes his brothers swear, right? That what? When you go ahead and leave Mitzrayim, when you leave, you have to take my remains. A very moving medrash about, uh, you know, the Egyptians. Well, okay. The Egyptians. No, not for now. We'll say so again. So therefore, again, the people who are carrying the casket of Yosef, they were tummy. They were Thomas. They come to Moshe. Is it fair? What's, what's going on over here? You know, we're, we're, we're doing a mitzvah. We're going and carrying the remains of, of Yosef and we lose out on Pesach. That's where Yosef really is approach. So we'll say, Amun Beis, Amun Beis. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, no. Mishael ve'al tzafan hayu shayu oski Wow. Rabbi Akiva says, no, it was actually the two remaining sons. I'm sorry, actually, the cousins. Right, the cousins of the nephews of Aaron who were involved in taking care of the bodies of Nadav and Avio, Mishal and Al Tsafan, the nephews of Aaron, who were tummy because they, they took care of the bodies of Nadav and Avio. Either of us Rabbi Yitzchak Omer, Rabbi Yitzchak says it doesn't make sense. It's it's not true. In other words, that if if it was if we're talking about the Jews who were carrying the remains of Yosef. They had time to go ahead and get themselves purified before Pesach. Remember again, the, we have this image of like the Jews traveling all over the place during their 40 years in the desert. It's not true. They were, we were stationary most of the time. So if you know that Pesach is coming and you know that your job is to go ahead and carry the remains of Yosef, there is a way to purify yourself seven days in advance of Pesach. There, there, there is a way to do it. There is a way to do it. Similarly, in Mishav al Safan Hayu, Yechold and Hayu Litar. Same idea. Even if it was Mishal and al Safan who were caring for the remains of Nadav and Aviyu, they could have gone ahead and purified themselves when? But remember again, when do Nadav and Aviyu die? Essentially, again, right after Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So there was the opportunity to go ahead and, in other words, either way, there was time. Whether you were carrying the remains of Nadav and Aviyu or you're carrying the remains of Yosef, there was time to purify yourself in advance of Pesach. So who were these people? Right? So Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak is disagreeing with both Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yosef Alili. He says, who were these people? Allah, oskin b'meis mitzvah hayu. Oh, we'll say, who were these people who came to Moshe? 
Somebody died. Somebody died in the Midbar. Somebody died in the Midbar. And I will say the person was a mace mitzvah. Now, I will say this to me is fascinating. Because ultimately, again, now remember, what's a mace mitzvah? What's a mace mitzvah? A mace mitzvah is someone who has no one to bury him. So I will say if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Tamei mace mitzvah. Love meis mitzvah davka ka'amar da filu meisay nami meis mitzvah karilu the mitzvah sasbein. Especially Rashi is bothered by this because the general definition of meis mitzvah is somebody dies and there is no one to take care of their burial needs for them. Rashi says it can't be a, it's a literal meis mitzvah. Can't be it's a meis mitzvah. Why? Because in the desert everybody had something, someone ultimately to take care of them. So it can't be a real mace mitzvah. Rashi just says, mace mitzvah just means that what? That what? There was a mitzvah to help bury someone. Say, I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I, I think that, not to be cholik on Rashi, but I think one can make the argument that maybe it really was a mace mitzvah. Because we'll say, you know, in every society, there's always people who are on the periphery. It's the nature of human relationship dynamics that there are always people who are marginalized. It's, it's just the way that it is. So it could be, it could be Pashib Shat in the Gemara, is that maybe even in the Midbar there were Mace Mitzvah. As heartbreaking as that sounds, and I will say it's the same way that when Amalek attacked, when Amalek attacked, where did Amalek attack? The stragglers. Stragglers. How could there be stragglers? Right? When I, was, it, I mean, it's a big camp, but don't you think we'd all take care of each other? There are always stragglers, right? There are always people who are left behind. There are always people on the periphery. There are always people who are marginalized. That is just the nature of, of human relationship dynamics. So maybe Mes Mitzvah really means that there were people who died in the Midbar and there was no one to attend to them. Baruch Hashem, Am Yisrael, Rachmanim, Bnei Rachmanim. There's always someone to attend to them. In any event, Rabbi Yitzchok says, that's how they became Tommy, through Mes Mitzvah. Shechal Shvi'i Shalohen, Lios Pesach. So what happened? What happened to these Jews? There was a mis mitzvah. They had no choice but to take care of the dead. And it turned out, remember again, if you contract Tumas mace, so you remember how do you get purified? Paraduma, sprinkling when? Days three, day seven. But you don't actually become tar until when? Till night eight. So what happened when these guys, what happened with these guys? They became tummy t- mace mitzvah. And ultimately, again, they weren't going to become Tomei until the night of Pesach. The problem is, therefore, that what? They were, they were Tomei, they were Tomei on Erev Pesach, which is the time that you offer up the current Pesach. Now, say, remember again, we actually saw the Sugib Sachin, right? About could someone count towards a Chabura if they can't eat now, but they will be able to eat tonight. A whole discussion with some Sachin. In any event, the Gemara says, because, because, because after all the because they come, they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, we can't perform the Pesach today. Their problem was, we can't perform the Pesach today. But ultimately, again, tomorrow they would be able to. So they were stuck. They were stuck. These individuals were unable to go ahead and participate on Pesach and Erev Pesach. So they missed, they, they missed the window by a couple of hours. By a couple of hours. So they came to Moshe for Pesach Sheni. They said, Why should we lose out? So I'll say, point over here is, point over here is, you see what happened. What happened? Ultimately, again, they did not engage in Pesach Rishon. 
Why did they not engage at Pesach Rishon? Why did they not engage? Because you're telling Rebbe say, now listen, now you have to understand what the way the Gemara is understanding this over here. So let, let's let's go with whichever one it is: carrying the remains of Yosef, Mishala and Safan carrying for another and Aviu, Rabbi Yitzchak that it was a Mes Mitzvah. Think about this just a moment, Rebbe say. Let, let's illustrate it, especially with the last one, Mes Mitzvah, right? We're, we're we're all together, and someone died. Someone died, right? So now. So now what happens? We know that if we go ahead and we take care of this person right now, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? No Pesach for us. So I can make the argument that, you know what? Let's leave him. Let's leave him. I mean, I'm not leaving. We could cover him up. You know, you know, cover him up. We'll come back after we offer up the current Pesach. It's Rachmanus. It's Rachmanus. But if, you know, we have, you have to make a choice over here. We bury you, miss Pesach, or we maybe leave you, do Pesach, and then come back for you afterwards. The fact that they buried him tells us that what? Oseik b'mitzvah pater min mitzvah Right? So they, they made the calculation that said, no, no, we're going to bury you. We're going to bury you. Because halacha lemaisa, even though we're going to miss Pesach, because essentially if we bury you now, pretty much we're pater from Pesach. Which I will say, it also it makes sense. I'll tell you why. I remember when they come to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? The wording they used for Moshe, with Moshe Rabbeinu was what? Lama nigara. Why should we lose out? In other words, they weren't saying this out, we did something wrong, we missed Pesach. We recognized we were exempt from Pesach. We were exempt. We don't want to be exempt. <laughs> we, we, want, we, want to, we want to have our mason, I was going to say have our mason eat it too, but that, uh, that doesn't matter. We, we, want to, we want to bury our mason, eat our Pesach too. Right? We, want, we want to be able, we want to be able to go and have both. We, we, don't, we don't want the exemption. We don't want the exemption. So we'll say, this is Oseik B'mitzvah, so here you see, this seems to be the makar for osik b'mitzvah patamina say This is even, if you think about it, this is even a stronger makar. Why? Because this actually happened, right? This was a ma'isa This is what occurred. So the Gemara says. So the Gemara says, I'll tell you why we need both both cases. Hasam, the Gemara says tricha. The truth is, you need to learn out both. You still need shema. Why? Because if you would have just learned it out over here by Pesach, by Pesach Sheni, Hasam, Mishum Dolomatas Manchiv at the Pesach. We'll say it's different over here. Because in this case over here, there wasn't a conflict yet, right? The conflict wasn't the present conflict. Right now, right? Well, so let's go to Rabbi Yitzchak, the Mesa Mitzvah. How many mitzvahs did they have in front of them at that moment? How many mitzvahs? One. Right? There was no direct clash between two mitzvahs right now. There was one mitzvah of burying the mace right now. Pesach would come later on. So, Hasam, Mishum Dolom, Matazman, Chiyu, the Pesach. Aval Hacha, the Matazman, Kriyashma, Emalo. See, I say, I'm at a thought. I'm at a thought. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Dolom, Matazman, Chiyu, Keshinitmu, Adanilo, Higiyaz, Manachilas, Pesach. Aval, Kriyashma, the Matazman, Chiyu, Besoch, Achopo, Forelkach, Emel Chayiv. See, I will say, if you would just learn out from the Pesach case, I would say that case is different because at the time that they buried the mace, there was not yet any obligation of Kriyashma. There was not any obligation of Kriyashma. So I'm sorry, of, of, of Pesach, I'm sorry, of Pesach. So perhaps that's the case where we say, ultimately, again, because at the time that you performed one mitzvah, there was no competing mitzvah. Okay, it happened to be because you performed A, you can no longer perform B. But in the case of Kriyashma, where ultimately both mitzvahs are before you, perhaps there is no exemption. Therefore, Tzuchav Yashmin and Hacha Bishum Deleka Kares. 
And furthermore, if it would have just taught us in the case of Kriya Shema, that a chasun is potter from Shema, okay, because there's no chiv kares if you don't recite Shema. However, aval hasam the ika kares imolo. I might have thought that maybe by carbon pesach, maybe I will say maybe the halach is what. Maybe the halacha should be that if you see a corpse in front of you and it's within seven days of Pesach, maybe what should you do? What should you do? Sounds crazy. Leave it. Leave it. Don't bury it. Because that's going to preclude you from offering up Karim Pesach. And failure to offer up Karim Pesach results in Karis. Therefore, again, Tzricha. There was a halacha lamaisa Tzricha. You have to... So really, Tzricha means, no, even though you're going to miss Karim Pesach, you still have to bury the maze. So I will say, so essentially, we really have two sources for the concept of osig mitzvah patam in a mitzvah. Source number one is by Kriyashma. Source number two is by Pesach Sheni. And what they really teach me is as follows. Kriyash, the Kriyashma source teaches me direct conflict. When I'm engaged in mitzvah A, and therefore, I, and, now, and now I'm actively engaged in A, and now mitzvah B comes along, my active engagement in A goes ahead and exempts me from B. The Pesach Sheni situation teaches me that I am per- permitted to perform a mitzvah, even though what? Even though what? I know that the performance of A is going to what? It's going to what? Preclude me from going ahead and performing B. And that's okay because it's Osik mitzvah, Patam in a mitzvah. You can take care of the mace even within seven days of Pesach, even though you know that that is going to preclude you ultimately from performing carbon Pesach. So it's, so it's really, they're both illustrating the same concept. Osik mitzvah, but two different types of exclusions. One, or I should say, two different types. Yeah, two different types of yeah, um, not exclusions. Um, yeah, conflicts. Right. One is direct conflict. One is delayed conflict. But the, the concept ultimately remains the same. That whenever you're involved in one mitzvah, you're actively you're actively exempted from the performance of the other. I will say it's also just an interesting yisod. You know, in general, the zedibah and pesach is. You know, like there's a Shailin Halacha. I think the Kitzer actually brings down this case that there was a person who was incarcerated. He didn't do anything wrong. I just want to point out. Right? He, he, right, he, he wasn't, no one ever died. He, he was incarcerated, right? And he was given, he was by the authorities and he was given one day, one day leave. And they told him that he could either go ahead and leave prison, you know, on the Shabbos or whatever, tomorrow or, uh, Yom, or Yom Kippur, right? He had, he had one day. So the Shailin Halacha, should, should I leave tomorrow? Because right, it was a whole thing else you could put on film tomorrow. It could be out in Yom Kippur. So I, I believe this is brought down in the kids. Are, things are so, so the, the halacha says, you know, take tomorrow. Take tomorrow. Right? In other words, don't, don't, that when it comes to the performance of mitzvahs, we don't go, as goes, ties into what we were speaking about yesterday, we don't go ahead and delay present opportunity for some type of future opportunity. So I will say, same idea, you know, the, the mace mitzvah is here, so you don't go ahead, you don't go ahead and delay the performance of the mace mitzvah, ultimately, again, because of Pesach. Because remember, again, when you're burying that mace mitzvah, when, you're look, when you see that mace mitzvah in front of you, right now you're choosing between two mitzvahs, two mitzvahs, mace mitzvah or Pesach, and you can't do both. You can't do it because once you become Tamei and it's within seven days of Pesach, you are out. You're out. But halacha lamaisat, the mitzvah baliyah, dechal tach mitzvah. The halacha is when you have the opportunity to pour a mitzvah, you do it now. You don't worry about the future ramifications or repercussions. And again, even though 
taking the opportunity now may preclude you from doing something in the future, you still take it. The Bible says, listen to what the Gemara does now. This is incredible. This is incredible. So the Gemara says, Gufa. So we'll say, let's go back to something we said just a few moments ago. So what we have over here now is two different forms of Osig Bamitzah Patra Minah Mitzvah. Right? One in which there is an active clash I'm performing mitzvah A, and now mitzvah B comes along, like tells us that assuming that I can't perform them at the same time, it's okay. The act of performance of mitzvah A, uh, uh, exempting from mitzvah B. Chassam teaches us that even if there's not actual physical performance, but what? But what? Tirda. Mental preoccupation with the mitzvah. Mental preoccupation with the mitzvah is like active involvement in the mitzvah, and therefore the chasen is part of from kriyashma. Now, third level of osig mitzvah means I'm allowed to perform mitzvah A, even though I know that what? When performing A, that is going to actively prevent me from exclude from performing B, like we saw by the case of mitzvah and karban pesach. Now, watch this. Moment. Let's go back and talk about something else. Gufa. Amar Rabbi Abba Barzabda Amarav. Avil Chay Bechalam Mitzvah Samuras Batora. Chutz Mitzvillin. So we saw this before. To remember again, an Avil is obligated in all Mitzvahs except for Tzvillin. Now, I just want to point out over here, this is the halacha of Tzvillin on the first day of Shiva. An Avil does not put on Tzvillin on the first day of Shiva. Now, the truth is, the way this happens more often is as follows. An Avil during Aninos, right? Remember, the period between death and burial is exempted from all mitzvah saseh. That's actually a din of osek b'mitzvah patra min mitzvah The Aval is actively involved in kavad ames, arranging for the levaya, writing a hespid, right? So therefore, again, actively involved. In addition to that, on the first day of Shiva, an Aval does not put on tzulim. Now, the truth is, more often than not, this doesn't, people don't think about this. Why? Because more often than not, what ends up happening is you're not putting on tefillin on the first day of Shiva anyway. Why? Why? Because usually you're, a person is still in Aninos, right? Like the relative passed away. The Levaya is not that, uh, the Levaya is not that, um, it's not at sunrise, it's at nine o'clock, it's at 10, whenever it's going to be. So by the time you finish the Levaya, it's already, it's already afternoon. So often the Aval doesn't think about it, but on the first day of Shiva, the Aval is not putting on tefillin. Not putting on tefillin. So let's say, for example, you did have, you had, that, you had the Levi at 7 o'clock in the morning. 7 o'clock in the morning. Or, or for that matter, or for that matter, you know, in Eretz Yisrael, they bury at night. So you had Levaya at night. The first day of Shiva, an Avel does not wear tefillin. Does not wear tefillin. There's a whole discussion in the postkin. Can an Avel wear, put on tefillin if he wants to? Right? So the Aval is exempted. Is it a forced p'tur? Is it an, is it, is it a, an optional p'tur? Okay, but we'll, we'll go with the, an Aval does not wear tefillin on the first day of his Avelos. So the Gemara says, So Aval is chayit in all mitzvahs in the Torah, with the exception of tefillin. Chutz mitzvillin, shaynemar bahen fe'er. Because we'll say ultimately again, the, the Navi uses lashon of fe'er. Fe'er means glory or a crown. Where do we see this from? Mid amrali rachmanali yecheskel, Pe'ercha chavush alecha. Bosa Yecheskel, right Yecheskel, after, right after his wife had passed away, Sa'akadosh Baruch who tells him that he's not permitted to engage in normative mourning practices. So Pe'ercha chavush alecha, Sa'akadosh Baruch says to Yecheskel, your glory should be bound upon you. That's a reference to Tefillin. So the emotional was saying, Yecheskel Anavi, you have to wear Tefillin even though you're in Abelos, even though it's the first day of your Shiva. Atu de Mechayavis. Yechazkel, it's you who's obligated in tefillin. 
he was obligated in tefillin. However, again, about kuli alma p'tiri, but everyone else is potter. When is an avel potter from tefillin? The hanimili biyom rishin, right? When is an avel potter from tefillin? The first day of shiva. Avel doesn't put on tefillin first day of shiva. Dixiv v'acharisa ki yom mar. Because the boss the pasuk says, and after it, after the death, is a bitter day, which the Gemara understands to mean that what the primary feeling of sadness over loss is felt on the first day of Shiva. So again, the fact that Hakadosh Baruch Hu tells Yechezkel, keep your tefillin on, indicates to us what that under normal circumstances, what would happen? An Avel would not wear tefillin. An Avel wouldn't wear tefillin. Ayva Amr Rabbi Abba Bar Zavdo Amr Rav. Avel Chayiv B'Sukkah. Yet, Rabbi Rabbi Abba Bar Zavdo sending a Rav. That Avel is Chayiv in Sukkah. So Pshita. Is, isn't that obvious that Avel is Chayiv in Sukkah? And I was supposed to say, why would you have a Chayiv in Sukkah? So we'll say, so again, remember we had this before. We had this before. That we wanted to suggest maybe an Avel should be part of from Mitzvah in general. Why? Why? Mental preoccupation with one's mourning. To which the Gemara says, no. An Avel is Chayiv in Omitzvah. The only mitzvah an Avel is potter from is tefillin. And when? When? On day one. So the Gemara says, furthermore, the Gemara says, three reinforces, an Avel is Chayiv in Sukkah. So we'll say, let's say again. Now, the truth is, remember, this, this doesn't really happen. Right? Why doesn't this happen, that Avel is Chayiv in Sukkah? Because again, in Manav Shach, if the person was sitting Shiva before Sukkot, so remember again, Yom Tev comes and cuts off the Shiva. If, if Rahmanas and a person lost a relative on Sukkot, everything is delayed until afterwards. Now, I'll tell you where this does come up. Halacha let's say someone loses uh, one of the Zanker, one of the seven relatives on Sukkot. Right? So remember again, we delay, we delay Shiva, we bury on, on Yom Tev, we technically even bury Yom Tev Sheni, Yom Tev Sheni, Chalamai, right? We push off the Shiva until afterwards. There are certain mourning practices that do apply even over the course of Yom Tev itself. Certain Dvarm Shabbat certain private displays. So the Gemara says over here that Avala is Chayv in Sukkah. So Pshita, of course an Avala is Chayv in Sukkah. Maltem, what would you have thought? Both listen to this. Hova Amr Avi Abba Bar Zavda Amr Av Mitztair Patu Minas Sukkah. Hai Nami Mitztair. So I would have thought as follows. Since we say this is great, I mean, not great, Mitztair. Mitztair is part of from Sukkah. Now, both say, now we're going to talk about this sugya. What, what does it mean, a Mitztair? Who's a Mitztair? Who's a Mitztair? Someone who's very uncomfortable. Someone who's very uncomfortable. So, someone who is in discomfort is part of from Sukkah. So, I might have thought, Hai Nami Mitztair. Davel is also a Mitztair. Right? Davel is an incredible Tsar. To which the Gemara says, No, 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 no. To which the Gemara says, Kamash Malon, Hani Mili, Tsara Dimemela. They will say, when do we say that mitzar is pata from sukkah? That's when what? When the tsar comes from what? Comes from what? Sukkah. Your sukkah. Rashi points out there, tsar de memelo, shasukah mitzar so kigon, chama, otsina, osir, chabdran, shasikhimer. But say, it's too hot. It's too cold. Right? Uh, whatever. So, so meaning the tsar itself comes from the sukkah experience. That's right. It's raining. That's when I, that's the, that's the Torah of Mitzayr. But say, listen to these words. Avahacha, when it comes to Avelos, ihu dekamitzayr nafsheh. If the Avel is in Tsar, that's his own decision. Right? That's his own decision. Kamitzayr nafsheh. He's causing himself ultimately again to be in a state of sadness. Iboy lei li yisuve daite. 
he should go ahead and make himself feel better. So I will say, this is a very loaded Gemara. So first of all, just on a halachic level, this is very interesting. The patur of mitzta'er, right? The patur ultimately, again, of quote-unquote discomfort, is ultimately, again, a din in when the tsar comes from the sukkah itself. But when you're in a state of tsar, but your tsar has nothing to do with the sukkah, nothing to do with the sukkah, ultimately what? Ultimately, again, halach said that's not the patur mitzta'er. So let's listen to what the Gemara says. Therefore, if a person just lost a loved one, and they are in a state of emotional tsar, the Gemara says, listen to the words Rabbi says. So therefore, again, I'm not part of from Sokka. Fine, that's the halacha. But look how the Gemara understands the notion of feelings. Ihu the kamitsa'er nafsheh. Rabbi say, if you're sad, if you're sad in life, who's responsible for that sadness? Who's responsible? You. Which Chazal is telling us something incredibly amazing. You decide how you feel. You decide how you feel. You cannot go ahead and control what happens around you, but you absolutely control your emotional reactions to what happens around you. You suffered loss. How you allow that loss to impact you is your own decision. You control how you feel, which I both say is such a dramatic idea in Chazal. And look at Chazal say, Get yourself together. Get yourself together. I both say it's such an incredible yisod. Because uh, no offense to the psychologists, right? But sometimes all that embrace your feelings. I mean, it's all important. It's great. I say, but again, sometimes it's also put on your big boy pants, right? And, so, and sometimes it's also about you control how you feel. You can't control what happens to you. And you, can, you often can't control what's done to you and what's perpetrated upon you and the circumstances around you. But you absolutely control how you allow circumstances to impact you. Or to say it a little bit differently, sometimes you don't control how circumstances impact you initially. Because sometimes things happen to you and there's an initial impact that just hits you like a tidal wave. But then you have to get yourself together and then you have an absolute obligation to control how things continue to impact you on an ongoing basis. It's such an incredible example. The Rambam writes about this in Hilchos Deus. This is incredible. The Rambam says that in life, you're supposed to have a mixture of all types of midos, with one exception, kas. Kas, right? Anger, he, Rambam says, is the most destructive mido. You can't have any, any level of kas. Any level of kas. Truth is, even though Rambam kind of backs, you have to have some level of kas, right? But again, can't have kas. I, so the Rambam says, what happens if a person has a short fuse and has a lot of kas? Has a lot of kas. So listen to the Rambam's incredible sagely advice. I have a problem with the temper and I'm always getting angry. What's the Maimodian solution to a short fuse? Stop getting angry. That's the Rambam. Like, I could have been the Rambam, right? I start, I start, stop getting angry. But you understand the godless of that advice? Rambam says, you control it. You control You have a short fuse? Lengthen it, right? You, you, you have a bad temper? Fix it. Fix it. Stop playing the role of the victim, right? Because also we, we don't realize we so often do this life. This is who I am. Almost like I'm a victim of circumstance. This is who I am. I have no control over this persona. I have no control over this identity. I have no control over these midos. Almost this is how Kodesh Baruch Hu made me. No, look what Chazal say. Look what Chazal say. You the kametzayer nafshei ibay lelia suve daite. Rabbi say this is a mantra. This is a mantra. You control how you feel. You don't like it, 
change it. You don't like it, change it. And I will say again, obviously with the caveat that sometimes things happen to us in life and there is an initial reaction that happens so quickly that almost like Kivyach, I don't have total control over it. But then afterwards, I have control to get myself back together. I have my control to get myself back on the rails. I control ultimately how I feel. But say such an incredible yisod. Let's go a little bit weiter, then we'll stop. So we'll say, listen to this interesting sugya as well. Actually, we'll say, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Emir Tashim tomorrow with the sugya of Chasan, which is another incredible sugya. So again, we emerge with two sources, Ostik B'mitzvah, Patam and Mitzvah. We also emerge again with cognitive preoccupation. Cognitive preoccupation only applies to cognitive preoccupation of mitzvah, does not apply ultimately again to any type of non-mitzvah cognitive preoccupation. Continue with Hashem with the case of Chasan. Mir Hashem tomorrow. Shkoyach. With regard to the sick family, so if you are with the sick family and you are involved in that and you find time, should you not look for time? to say Shema, and you should say that this is my time to be with my sick member, and if there is time there, then that's something that you should say, you know what, that's not for me, or is... You know, so, so the, the answer is, and this is what Tulsa kind of says, if you could do both, absolutely you do both. Okay. You know, again, in an extreme case where it's not possible, but whenever possible to do both. And again, especially you're talking about stealing a couple of minutes. Right. You know. But that's not, that's not physically stealing. That's Correct. taking the opportunity. Correct. Good morning. I'm assuming that tomorrow, because now we're talking about in general cases, there's trauma, there's actually a hundred percent, a hundred percent. He's talking about over here just a but there are cloud in life. There are cloud in life. Good morning. Good morning. Tell me if you've heard this about Uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, incredible. The time that it's beginning, then. But remember, at the chuppah is not the iskus in the in the mitzvah She'll have a great day. Right, right. But how about someone who's married during the day? He'll be in the morning. You know. It's whenever, I don't think it matters by day or by night. The point is, he, he's in the framework of mitzvah. There's not an active physical iskos for mitzvah, but there's the tirda. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, have a great day.